Travel Radio is on the air. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Hey there, my friend, Aaron here, and welcome to another episode of Family Travel Radio. Today, we're going to be speaking with Jessica Griscavich. Jessica is a travel advisor at McCabe World Travel, and Jessica is going to be talking about all things multi-generational travel. Multi-generational travel. We're talking grandparents, kids, even great-grandparents, traveling together and making memories. Well, it's usually nine out of ten times grandma and grandpa planning the trip. They want to create memories. We also dive into a wide variety of multi-generational family travel opportunities that have a little something for everybody. Everybody has the opportunity to do what they want to do, but they all come back together as a family. And finally, we're going to get a little glimpse inside Jessica's world as a travel advisor, and she's going to tell us how she helps families make the most of their most valuable resources when planning a family trip. Your most valuable asset is your time and your money, and it's my job to make the best use of both of those. Family Travel Radio is the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Visit us at familytravel.org and discover what's possible in family travel. Today on Family Travel Radio, we are joined by Jessica Griscavage, who works for McCabe World Travel. Jessica joined McCabe World Travel in 2004 as a travel advisor, and she has never looked back. Among her many, many accolades, Jessica was recognized with Virtuoso's first Rising Star Award in 2009, and for the past six years, Jessica has been named to Travel and Leisure Magazine's A-List of Top Travel Advisors, and Travel Agent Magazine highlighted her among their top 25 agents in 2014. Jessica, it's an honor to be in your presence here. Thanks so much for joining us on Family Travel Radio. Well, thank you, and thank you for the introduction. Oh, it's certainly my pleasure. I, uh, my friends out there in podcast land, family travel radio land, I had to cut that list of accolades considerably because Jessica <laughs> is, if there's such a thing as rock stars in the travel agent universe, travel advisor universe, Jessica certainly is one. And it's my pleasure to, uh, to host a rock star here in the travel world oh, on family well, travel you. radio. Thank you. Well, let's dive in, Jessica. First of all, just take a moment. Tell me, of course, about yourself and specifically tell me about the role, the impact that travel has had in your life. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I grew up traveling and I grew up traveling with my family. So I, I lived outside of um, a small town outside of Boston and many people would stay in the New England area for the summers, but or have a Cape house or go to New Hampshire, which was great. And you know, it was fun to be a part of that. But my family decided every summer we were going to take a trip. And it was usually somewhere international. So I grew up with the travel bug, uh, traveling to Europe. And um, we went to Egypt and all through Ireland and Scotland and Italy. And it was just always a part of my life. What was that first trip, that first overseas trip that, that did it for you? That did it for me that I, oh gosh, you know, I, I remember Ireland being pretty, uh, it was beautiful and I still have a memory of kissing the Blarney Stone. Um, and that was pretty incredible. And, you know, I went to Egypt when, um, and by the way, Egypt is super hot right now. Um, but, you know, of course it went down a little bit, but I still remember those moments thinking, wow, this is just absolutely incredible. Um, and Athens was another one too, but I think that I kind of related to that mythology and that type of history um, versus cathedrals and museums. Um, so that was something I really connected to. So travel was always a part of my life. 
Um, and after I graduated college, I had more of a marketing role um, outside of the industry. And then this just kind of fell into my lap and I loved it um, and, and never looked back. I started before I had a child. So it was interesting traveling pre-child. And then um, as soon as we had our son, you know, family travel, we never stopped. Let's talk about that for a minute. I hadn't specifically meant to discuss this topic, but it is a topic that one is very valuable and two, it just personally fascinates me. It's that that idea of being a solo or single, sort of an intrepid traveler, and then transitioning from that intrepid solo or couples travel into family travel. Can you just speak on how that impacted you? Yeah, definitely. Well, for us, we never, it was never an option not to. Nothing changed. And even our destinations didn't necessarily change so much. Uh, my son, he had a passport at four months old. And we did start small. His first trip, we um, went to Bermuda, but it was his first, you know, passport, his first, you know, international flight, but it was direct. And, you know, it was a good, let's feel this out. You know, what's it like to travel with a lap child? Um, and, you know, of course, a beach destination is a little bit easier than other destinations. Um, and then once that happened, we're like, huh, this was really easy. And then his next trip, he was nine months old and we did an Alaska cruise, which seems like so overwhelming with a baby. We did a shore excursion at every port. You know, we had one of those backpacks and he just came along with us and we never stopped. After that, we loved that so much. We did a cruise to Norway and then we just kind of continued on and to a driving trip in Scotland. And he was always a part of it and it never slowed us down because we weren't willing to change our lifestyle selfishly. <laughs> well, tell me about some of those things that that might slow people down. The things you hear about from from your clients and friends, just those those fears, those challenges, those obstacles and tell me how you you met those head on. Yeah, I I think it can be so overwhelming to somebody and I I completely respect that. And a lot of that's personality and my husband and I we, you know, have always been kind of laid back type people, but I it is certainly overwhelming all the stuff you have, you know, with kids and babies and, you know, that in itself is overwhelming. So, you know, the first thing you learn to kind of consolidate, you know, pack lighter, um, think about what you really need. Um, I think what intimidates people the most is the first flight. Um, and yes, you know, sometimes babies cry on a plane and you do everything you can to prevent it. And, you know, whether it's bottles or pacifiers or, you know, a lobby that they have, you just be, go as prepared as you can. And sometimes they're going to cry. There's a couple flights I remember <laughs> that I felt bad for some of the passengers. Um, but you know, we, you know, you do everything you can. But you know, once you, once you do it, you get more comfortable with it, and you learn. You know, maybe day flights are better, or you know, maybe after dinner, or you know, that night flight just really works for us. You, you know, you kind of have to know your, you know, napping patterns and sleeping patterns and what's best for your child. But I think once you get over that hump it's more, com- you're more comfortable. Right. And you, you hit on a great point there and just, just learning from your experiences and that all that learning begins when you take that first trip, cause you're, you're not going to get it right the first time, but you're yeah. going to survive it. And quite frankly, some of those, some of the things that are the biggest challenges in the moment make for the most interesting stories and fun memories later down the road. So I, I'm glad you shared that because there's just so much Fear and whether it's fear or intimidation, you know, there's a lot of that out there when it comes to traveling with kids. And one of the one of the missions of this podcast here is to help people address those challenges and get out there and and just get rid of that fear and start exploring the world with their kids because the benefits far outweigh the costs. They're the pros outweigh the cons. However, you want to to look at that. So get those kids out there and get started. Exactly, and young, and you know he's a pro now. He's eight years old now, but you know again he's 
even at two or three, I have to put my favorite stuffed animal on the conveyor belt to go through security. I mean, once they go through it a couple of times, they really start to get it. And so he's eight years old and he's already on his second passport then if they're only good for five years. I love it. I know. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. We had to get a second. It was just, it's just crazy. Well, how weird was it like right at the tail end of that first passport when his picture was of him at four months old? Oh my God. Well, you had to like hold his head up and it was so cute. And it was just a little face. And um, I know it was really, it was sad, but, you know, flipping through his passport, it was like, wow, you know, this kid has had some amazing opportunities and, you know, will he remember them all? You know, probably not. Um, we're both working parents. And what's important to us is just having quality away from home, travel the world, explore something different moments together. And, whether or not he remembered Alaska the first time, he's going to remember that we loved him and we were holding him and we were with him 24-7 for seven nights. And, and that you can't take away. That might be one of the sweetest things I've ever heard said on this podcast, Jessica. <laughs> Actually, that, that trip to Bermuda and the, the Anne Scully, the president of McCabe World Travel, she always tells a story. When we went to Bermuda, I was like, I just want to hold him on the airplane for you know two hours. That's all I want to do. And she just, that always brought a tear to her because- you know, we work so hard and this time is so precious. And, and that's why I just like, just get out there and, and do something uh, at any level. Yeah, no kidding. And the next thing you know, you wake up and your kid's eight years old and on their second passport already. It flies <laughs> I know, by. I know, it does. It sure does. Well, I know for sure, Jessica, that we could go on on this topic all day long. I know I could, but I brought Jessica on today to to specifically talk about multi-generational trip planning. Multi-generational travel is... It's hot right now, quite frankly, and I can see why. Just the idea of being able to get, you know, the grandparents, the parents, the kids, and all together to to have an experience, a travel experience, is just a wonderful way to bond and create lasting memories with uh, with the different generations within your family. So Jessica's going to share some of her, just some of her rock star again. There that is, there's that word again, rock star tips <laughs> for multi generational trip planning. So Jessica, I'm going to kind of just give you the floor here and just just knock us knock our socks off with some multi generational yeah. planning tips. Well, it is more and more popular. And I think part of that too is that generation, they just realized they can't take it with them. So they want to create memories. And so it's usually nine out of 10 times grandma and grandpa planning the trip, then their kids and then their kids' kids. And I've done generations up to four generations. So usually, you know, it's a collaborative, you know, destination, although grandma and grandpa always have the final say um, of where they want to go. And I'm finding more and more, you know, all the whole family's chiming in on where they want to do location. Um, so villas rentals have become really popular um, because it's one place where everybody can stay together. Um, you have multi-bedrooms, you know, the kids and the grandkids can all play together. We've done this in Italy several times. We'll have chefs come in to cook and then arrange cooking classes and day trips. So to have one spot is really convenient when you have a lot of different people. Cruising is another huge multi-generational way to travel. One, you can do it at almost any budget level. You know, you have your more budget cruise lines, you have your premium cruise lines, all the way up to luxury cruise lines, whatever's best for the family. But again, that idea of you're all together, same place, you unpack once, but you always come together at dinner. You know, Alaska would be a good example Maybe some families want to, you know, trek a glacier, but that's too much for grandma and grandpa. They might want to go on a whale watch. So everybody has the opportunity to do what they want to do, but they all come back together as a family. Um, so those are two really, you know, popular 
ways to travel. Um, but then we have families that will kind of do what we call a FIT, where it's, you know, they might do Rome, Florence, Venice, and, you know, we arrange, you know, the hotels and the transfers and the touring. Um, so it, it really, it really varies, but it's throughout Europe and Canada, Alaska, the U.S. Um, we really see people really getting out there. Let's talk about, let's talk about kind of two extremes in planning and generational travel. You highlighted several great ones there. Let's Let's first start with someone with a, a group who is not a group of seasoned tr- veteran travelers, but they, mm-hmm. they, they see the value in, in wanting to create these memories, like you mentioned, and they just come to you, they lay at your feet, they say, Jessica, help us. We want to take this great, wonderful trip with grandma and grandpa and the kids. We have no idea where to start. We don't even know what would be a good place to go. Help. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of that, and to back up a little bit for that, is you really do have to have a sense of what your budget is. Um, and often we'll see families come in with their budget, which is great because it's my job to work within that budget, not go over your budget, but to work within it. Next, you kind of have to have the conversation of what are you comfortable with? Because, I mean, that really just kind of depends on the type of experience that you're going to have. Um, so that's key first is really kind of knowing what type of budget you're you're comfortable with. Then it's getting to know the family. What are people interested in? Are they outdoorsy people or do they not like nature? Are they museum people? So to have that first initial conversation with the family to get everybody's interest, that's going to help me lead to my suggestions on destination. Tell me about some of the questions you would ask when it comes to to travel styles or things people might want to see, especially if there's conflict. How do you sort of talk them through that? Yeah, well, first, I always ask where, again, it's usually, let's just assume it's the grandparents because they're usually the decision makers. Um, I always want to know where they have been because a lot of times they want to explore somewhere different. But also knowing where they've been will kind of give me a feel for their travel style. You know, I'll ask them what hotels they've liked, what resorts they've stayed at, what cruise lines they've been on. That's really going to give me a sense of, of their of their travel style. And really, then it kind of jumps down to the grand or the grandkids. <laughs> That's who they want to make happy, not necessarily their own children. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> you guys had your turn. Exactly. It's, I mean, it really is. It's all about the grandkids. And, um, you know, those, you know, they're the big prize. And, um, you know, so one age, of course, is, you know, do we have babies? Do we have toddlers? That type of thing. But once they, you know, really get to, you know, so-and-so is really into sports and so-and-so is really into horseback riding, you know, that will kind of help guide. And if everybody's all over the map, you know, I try to find a destination that might suit everybody. Um, Hawaii would be a good example for that. You could do nothing and lay on the beach every day, or you can never go to the beach and hike and bike and zip line and horseback ride and snorkel and surf. I mean, you could be as active as you want. So, you know, I, I would look for a destination that would fit the bill for everybody. Tell me about some options for the more adventurous multi-generational travelers. Like, tell me about like what's the most interesting or exciting or unusual trip you've planned that has included the multiple generations? Well, not to repeat it again, but Hawaii tends to be that type of destination a lot because it, you know you could go for a, you know an eight-hour hike if you wanted to, wake up and go you know bike riding and mountain biking you know at four in the morning down you know a volcano. That really lends to being super active. Um, another, um, I wouldn't say, I call it soft adventure, um, but are the Galapagos. And that's another great multi-generational um, trip. It's just there's so much nature into it. Um, I'd call it a little bit more soft adventure. I mean, certainly you're you're getting on, you know, boats every day and you're snorkeling and you're going for walks. Um, it's not that intense. It's actually a lot less intense than I thought it would be, um, but huge. I mean, it, you you have the educational um, option there. Um, and another 
To be even a little bit more adventurous, Peru is another great option um, because, again, you have the beauty and the history and you can be active um, and do, you know, hikes and walks if you want to. Peru is a destination that seems to be coming up more and more often every day. And one of the things I was kind of thinking about as you're sort of walking us through the, these progressions and these different types of trips is just really how you you can start small and really build that excitement and then maybe just over time work up to some of the more adventurous, you know, start with a cruise or start with something, start with a resort or a villa. And you never know, five, 10 years from now, you might find yourself in the Galapagos or, or hanging exactly. out in Peru. I just love how that, that progression can happen, whether it happened like with your son that started at four months or even with grandparents who've never left their home state, like it's never too late. And that multi-generational travel is just a great way to bring that, that whole family together, whether it's just just because, or if you're celebrating an event and celebratory travel is something that's, I personally enjoy. I've done it several times going somewhere to celebrate, whether it's a birthday or an anniversary or a destination wedding. Talk to me a bit about celebratory travel in that multi-generation conversation. Yeah, right now, actually, this is the year of the 50th wedding anniversary. Um, Loads of those um, and people planning ahead. I've had more calls this year for somebody celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary now or even two years from now just to get the ball rolling. What was magical about 1968? I don't, yeah, I know. I don't know. I wasn't born yet. I don't know if you were, but I wasn't. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> um, but that is like the number this year. And it's, I mean, it's half a century. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, and I just think the, the grandparents are so proud of that and they just want to celebrate it with their family. So that that's a big one. I mean, that's a really, really big one. It's a big anniversary for the grandparents. They just want to celebrate it with everybody. Talk to me about just unique ways to celebrate because there's no right or wrong way to celebrate anything. What are some more interesting, unique either destinations or just ways you've seen people celebrate these milestones like a 50th wedding anniversary? Yeah, well, usually, you know, they once they pick their destination, it's it's really about that night. Um, you know, they may, um, you know, bring in a private chef to do a private dinner, they'll have a party if they're in a beach destination. Um, they might even renew their vows on the on the beach and, you know, have their family there. And I think they want to set the example, too, of, you know, 50 years together, it was hard work. And, you know, you know, this is what it looks like. And I think it's a lesson that they want to, they want to do as well. But usually there's some celebratory dinner or party um, that's involved. Well, I've got 43 years, Jessica, until I hit 50. So I, I <laughs> if you're still working, then I'm not going to lose your number, but I'm hoping you'll be right. on to bigger and better things by then. <laughs> but whatever, whatever we do, it's going to be epic. I'm, I'm going to send out, save the dates. <laughs> Well, one thing that one one real takeaway, Jessica, from this conversation is just your knowledge and expertise as a travel advisor, whether it's understanding the destinations or getting, you know, being familiarizing yourself with the client's budget and working within it, or just the general personality test, getting to know your clients and what you, what would be just the best way for them to spend their time and their money. So just talk to me real quick about just the value and the power of using a travel advisor to plan your trip, whether it's multi-generational or not. Yeah, no, thank you. And actually, I, I like the sentence you just said. I like that people do their own research and I like that they have destinations or particular hotels or resorts in mind. That doesn't intimidate us. It's it's getting to know them and fitting the personality of of what works for them. I mean, 
you know, again, taking cruising, for example, you have your premium cruise lines, uh, Princess, Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, Holland America, which is great, but that's very different than a client who is more of a Silver Sea, Seaborn um, client or a small ship person like a Windstar. So there's so much product out there, but they may not know, you know, what's the right fit for me? Am I a small, intimate person or do I like the bells and whistles of, you know, rock climbing walls and surf machines? So it's my job to navigate and help them. I mean, they, I love when they have an idea of what they want and just do the perfect fit for them. Also, depending on your uh, travel advisor, we're part of a consortium called Virtuoso, which is a network of um, you know, leading travel agencies, and we partner with the luxury market. So there's added value um, when you book a Ritz-Carlton or a Four Seasons or a Park Hyatt, just to name a few, when you book with us first, Booking Direct. We have the relationships, but there's also added perks like resort credits and breakfast. And, and breakfast adds up at some of these resorts. It's, it's a huge value. Your most valuable asset is your time and your money. And it's my job to make the best use of both of those. I like how you put time before money, because that's yeah. that's something that, I mean, maybe you don't appreciate it when you're on the younger side of things and that, that younger generation. But man, I'm 41, almost 42 years old, and I've never been more appreciative of my time than I am now. And I feel like that appreciation grows with each passing year. So sort of bringing it all together, you talked earlier about the grandparents sort of being the center of the universe when it comes to these trips. I can really see why they had that that perspective, those years, decades, really, to 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 gain that perspective of just how kind of little time we have. It's the only, pretty much the only resource we have, maybe besides our health that just can't be replaced. You can't, you can't get it back. And they saved and they saved and saved and they worked so hard. I mean, that generation, they just worked really, really hard and and they saved all of it. And they, they just want to spend that time now with their family. I mean, it's, it's really a beautiful thing to see. Indeed. And Jessica, we really appreciate you working really, really hard to, to make these trips happen and to help folks get out there and just truly make those magical, multi-generational family memories. Jessica Griscavage from McCabe World Travel has been our guest today on Family Travel Radio. And you can start planning that multi-generational family trip by visiting McCabeWorld.com. That's M-C-C-A-B-E World.com. Or better yet, get in touch with Jessica directly. You can email her at Jessica at mccabeworld.com. Jessica Griscavage, thanks so much for taking the time to share with us today on Family Travel Radio. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. All the notes for this and every episode are available at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, we will see you again soon. This is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off. 